New Mazda Skyactiv X compression ignition petrol engine available now in Mazda 3 and coming next month to CX30. The big question, I guess, is should you pay the extra three grand and actually buy one? That's next. I'm John Cadogan from autoexpert.com.au and I get new cars cheap for buyers here in Australia. You can inquire at the website about that. And a lot of people have been inquiring at the website lately about this new Skyactiv X engine. And as you know, I am all about the facts, right? So let's look at how it works, why this technology is promising, and importantly, whether or not there's a compelling case for you right now to part with the additional funds required for you to drive off into the sunset with a Mazda Skyactiv-X engine, okay? So how does it work? Well, it works just like a diesel engine, essentially, at least that's the goal of compression ignition. And it's easy to do that in a diesel because the fuel itself is just predisposed to burning predictably in a compression ignition environment. Petrol, not so much. In fact, very difficult to ensure reliable combustion with a lean mixture in a compression ignition environment. You just can't get it to behave predictably. So that's the reason they're calling this a spark-controlled compression ignition engine. We'll get into that. It's got two modes of operation. And the first mode is just like every other petrol engine on the market. It's a spark ignition engine. So I don't think we need to dwell too hard on any of that. The other mode though, the sort of lean burn spark controlled compression mode works like this. If you imagine an engine running really slow, okay, the piston comes up, the valves are closed, the mixture gets squeezed, and let's say it's a pretty lean mixture, okay, and just before the spark plug fires, this is what the Mazda engine does, the injector fires a small amount of fuel right near the spark plug. So in that region right around the spark plug, the mixture is actually quite rich, then the spark plug fires and that rich mixture just around the plug starts to burn. And the burning process involves the rapid expansion of that material and that causes a pressure rise in the rest of the chamber, okay? And it's this pressure rise from the initial combustion of the tiny little rich region that causes the lean part of the mixture to burn. And a lot of people are going to talk about this and they're going to use words like shockwave, which is just bullshit. They're going to use words like explosion, which is just bullshit. So in the interest of getting the technicalities actually right, let me lay that out for you. What happens in an engine is burning, okay? Technically, it's called deflagration as opposed to its counterpart in the high explosives world, which is detonation. And the difference is really the speed of propagation of the process, okay? So if it's supersonic, it's detonation, you're dealing with an explosion. And if it's subsonic, like the burning going on in your engine and most other common burning that you might do from time to time, like the log fire at home or something or the gas stove, it's just deflagration, 
Okay, that's how this works. When you watch Transformers, okay, and you see Michael Bay and his, his, his handiwork anyway, you see Optimus Prime fire a missile into a fucking Decepticon and blow the shit out of it and there's a big fireball. There's always a big fireball with motion sickness in a Michael Bay movie, right? And the fireball is always just deflagration. It's a big burning ball of something like propane or LPG, okay? If it was actual warfare firing actual high explosive rounds into something, what happens is a shockwave that is not all that visually entertaining, but the effect is devastating, right? It knocks down buildings. It pulverises people. It does all of that stuff. just doesn't look really good on camera. And I guess that's the Hollywood thing is part of the reason why people uh, misinterpret what happens inside an engine because it happens fast, but it's not exploding. Anyway, that's how this rolls. And the advantage here is pretty obvious, okay, when you just look at the specs. When you look at the specs of the two-litre Sky Active engine, not the Sky Active X engine, just the run-of-the-mill two-litre Mazda engine that goes in base model CX whatever, and CX-5's got it, and Mazda 3's got it, CX-30's got it as well, I think. Anyway, that base model two-litre engine, 114 kilowatts and 200 newton metres. Same size engine, no turbocharger, Skyactiv X technology. 114 kilowatts goes up to 132, and torque goes from 200 newton metres up to 224, which I think you'd agree is a substantial improvement. You know, mid range power goes up by 12%, economy improves as well. So there's a strong case for the technology in the context of the performance improvements that it gives you and the economy improvements it gives you, no doubt, okay? Unfortunately, though, Mazda is not selling that engine, the Skyactiv X 2-litre, against the 2-litre conventional engine. It's selling it in Astina trim in Mazda 3, okay? So it's a 2-litre Skyactiv X against a conventional 2.5-litre 4-cylinder. And that's significant because the 2.5-litre four-cylinder, the conventional one, performs better. It's 138 peak kilowatts versus 132, a small but still an improvement with the 2.5. And it's 252 newton metres of peak torque versus 224 with the Skyactiv X engine. So here's my first problem, okay? You will pay... $3,000 more for the Skyactiv X Astina and it's not going to go as well. So there's that. And you might say to yourself, well, okay, I'll take the fuel economy improvement. I'll pay a little bit more up front and I'll recoup the benefit in saved fuel down the track. So that's an economically rational argument and I just crunched the numbers on that. And if you're making this argument to yourself, you're probably not going to like the facts, okay? So brace for impact. It's 5.3 litres per 100 Ks for the Skyactiv-X engine and 6.5 for the 2.5 litre engine that it's up against, all right? So the difference is 1.2 litres per 100 Ks, which is significant, but you have to factor in one very important pesky detail, which is that the 2.5-litre engine is okay running on E10. 
an E10 is a lot cheaper than 95, which is required for the Sky Active X engine. In fact, when I look at the average price for both of those fuels in Sydney today, it's going to cost $7.65 for every 100 kilometres you drive in the 2.5 litre conventional engine and $7.07 for every 100 k's in the Sky Active X engine. And that means that you will save 58 cents every time you drive 100 k's if you opt for the new high-tech Sky Active X engine. And you might think, yeah, okay, I'll cop that. If you're economically rational, all right, you've got to say to yourself, well, what is the payback period? How far do I have to drive to just break even? Because they're going to sting you three grand more for the engine. Okay, it's the same car with a $3,000 more expensive engine, which doesn't go as well, but which will save you a bit of fuel. And I'm very sad to report, actually, that you have to drive about half a million kilometres just to break even. So that kind of evaporates the economically rational argument for me. It really does, you know. Make the case in the comments below if you think I've got this wrong, but... And I know the price of fuel varies up and down from time to time, but there's always a pretty substantial difference between E10 and 95, and it's always about where it is today. It's There's this difference, and inescapably, you are up against the cost difference of the fuel, not doing a tremendous amount to offset the extra economy you get with Sky Active X, plus it doesn't go as well. And if you just want to save the planet, I get that, clean air for our cities, whatever, if this is what motivates you, then okay, then perhaps you can make that argument and I would say to you, buy a smaller car or buy a hybrid if you want to do that. And don't be seduced by this Mazda M hybrid system, which I think is a fairly cynical exercise, frankly. Mazda says in its official release, I'm quoting, Skyactiv X also features the Mazda M hybrid system. Compact and efficient, the mild hybrid system features a belt driven integrated starter generator and a 24 volt lithium ion battery. It supports greater gains in fuel economy by recycling energy recovered during deceleration and powering the integrated starter generator, functioning as an electric motor to assist the engine. And I'd say, yeah, that's all true, only not very much assistance and kind of cynical. And I get the feeling in the background that they just want to use the H word in their marketing hybrid, right? So that they can compete in communications terms with vehicles like the Prius, the RAV4 hybrid, maybe Subaru's hybrids, or maybe Hyundai Ionic and vehicles of that nature, which are actually hybrids with fairly big batteries and dedicated electric motors integrated into the powertrain. If you see Mazda M hybrid system in the corporate communications, it's not the same thing, okay? The gains there are terribly small and it is at best a mild hybrid as as Mazda says, but really it's an inconsequential hybrid, at least in my estimation. So, these are the things that you should weigh up. And the other thing I'd suggest to you is when should you jump in? 
Well, it may be that they introduce Skyactiv X with a 2.5 litre engine, which would make it hugely compelling, wouldn't it? Because then it would offer superior performance. And that's probably going to cost you five grand more, but I'll take the superior performance because that's a reason to spend more money. I get that. Everyone gets that. A lot of people are motivated by superior performance. And the other thing I'd suggest is I really want to see how this engine goes in service. That's kind of important because Mazda's got this sort of checkered history of introducing promising sort of technology, but doing it badly off the bat. They certainly did that with the Skyactive diesel engine in Mazda CX-5. And at that time, I think they also offered it in Mazda 3. And it had these massive oil dilution problems causing many engines to fail prematurely. And generally, I think they handled that case pretty well. But if I was you, I would not want to be the final beta tester of Mazda's shiny new technology. Let some other bunny test the product in service. Let them identify any faults. Let Mazda go off and get its propeller heads to solve this problem. And then get back to me in six months, right? Because when those running fixes, if any, and it's just a risk, I'm not saying it will happen, I'm saying it's a risk, If those running fixes are required, they can be implemented and then you can go out and pay your $3,000 premium and not also be a lab rat for Mazda. That's all I've got for you today. Thank you very much for watching. If you've got a view on that, my economic rationalism, whatever, please let me know in the comments below and let me know if you like these sort of unplugged packages on YouTube as well, as opposed to the more formal, straight down the prompter, faux newsreader kind that you might have been used to for these past few years. See you next time.